It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling brother welcome everyone and happy new year we might still be in 1999 in reliving the war but we're certainly in a brand new year of the podcast my name is nims is joined as always by my tag team partner simon tackler simon happy new year we've still got a couple of scraps left of 1999 to get through and i gotta say for a as we were sort of saying off air for an era that's so highly regarded uh, these shows really aren't that good, are they? Oh, some of these have been rough. I remember this one as a kid not being good, and I've tried re-watching it a couple of times over the years, and it's never stuck with me. Uh, watching it again, I spoiler alert, I'll say the same. This is not a good show. It mm. could come down to, like, it's the end of Vince Russo's run in WWE. Maybe he was burnt out, and maybe this is, like, the last bits of his ideas because he's jumped ship by this point so they're trying to scramble and piece it together and just move to the next era but this is a rough show and it just another part of it that doesn't help is that it looks dark it feels Mm. dull there's something about the presentation of this show too it doesn't have the glitz and glamour like other wwe big events it, it really doesn't. And No Mercy 1999 was, I guess, an anomaly because that was actually a really good show. Like, Or at least it was saved by some very good matches. Mm. Like, You have some good memories. Whereas with this, I literally, and a bit of a spoiler to the main event absolutely kills. And by kills, I don't mean like it's great. It just <laughs> kills the entire vibe. Like you just sort of go, oh. And it leaves a really sour taste in a pay-per-view that's already had a huge sour taste. And you're right. It starts off with a, an intro video. Triple H will be defending his title in a triple threat against The Rock and Stone Cold with Vince as the special guest referee. It's a short but to the point intro. Detroit is packed for Survivor Series. And what I thought was interesting was Jerry Lawler says, you think the 97 Survivor Series was something? You ain't seen nothing yet. And it really, like, it really, like, I don't know, it just stood out for me. We're still in that era. I think they did it last year as well in 98. And, you know, we're still in that, oh, oh, Survivor Series, the most controversial event in history because of the screw job. So it still sort of taints every Survivor Series for another decade, I would yeah. say. Honestly, until Bret Hart returns and they can finally be like, fine, we're going to stop doing fake Montreal screw jobs. Every Survivor Series, it's like, what's gonna, who's going to get screwed? And, you know, look, they had to try and drum up some drama for this. I think when they knew Austin was hurt, that basically ruins the show. This could have been a one-match show because what a match it would have been, Rock, Triple H, and Austin, but we'll get to that. I do want to say, when they cut to the arena and they're showing the crowd, the camera qu- cuts were quicker than usual. I swear the camera wasn't stopping on a sign long enough so you could read it. 
It was very disorientating. It was. It's. It's. I don't know about you, but it really did feel just like an episode of Raw. Mm, it's. Yeah. It's. It, it didn't. It doesn't have a big pay per view feel, which is weird since it is one of the big ones. And so we start off with the Godfather's music. The crowd goes absolutely wild because he's out with the hose. Um, it's a traditional Survivor Series match to start us off. King is losing his mind over puppies and kittens and hose and. But uh, and but, JR, but, don't leave JR out of it. He calls them restaurant, restaurant hose. <laughs> there is a sign that says they're in Detroit. Uh, it says Motown is O Town. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, signs of that era were just next level. They mm. were great. They were absolutely good. But and another one, another great quote from JR to King. A lot of pimps up in this house, King. <laughs> I love it when he just straight faced <laughs> says like that kind of uh, that kind of language. Yeah, the best part is because D'Lo Brown's out in pimp attire. Like this is obviously where he's like the Godfather's protege, or as JR says, he's an entry level pimp position. <laughs> entry level pimp position. That's great. <laughs> and and the headbangers are also wearing afros and dressed like pimps too. oh when the headbangers came out and i could they used a wide shot and you could see the afros i just thought don't tell me they're in blackface surely not <laughs> luckily they weren't they had the big afros but they stopped short which is nice and if this was 98 though they probably wouldn't mm. <laughs> uh so next out is bubba rain devon dudley jr points out they're from ecw bubba's still doing the whole stuttering thing and he asked the Godfather if he's going to offer them some hoes. <laughs> he stutters, though. Yeah. He stutters, and then mm. Godfather replies to him by stuttering as well. Yeah, and says, no, 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 and gets a huge pop. Like, they could have wrapped this up without a match and just the segment, and the crowd would have been happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Acolytes are out next, and they're slowly transitioning into their APA gimmick. And... Um, the thing that I thought the match sort of gets underway, but the part that I found really interesting is they were full steam ahead that Austin's going to be in the triple threat match in the main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of a bait and switch. They keep talking about it like it's happening. You know, you've already bought the pay-per-view. You're already watching it. It It is kind of cheap. A little bit of a crap tactic, but yeah, that's how things went back then. Um, so there's, there's a pretty large amount of offense um, from the headbangers here because they're sort of on their way out. Uh, but Bradshaw just absolutely is wrestling the stiffest I think I've ever seen Bradshaw wrestle in my life. There's a line that King says, talking about the hose, saying, she could suck the numbers right off my credit card. That caught my ear as well. And I was like, God damn, <laughs> it sounds so graphic. It's clearly, you know, not, you know what it's alluding to, but it's just, yeah. I Googled it to see if it was a quote from somewhere. Because I'm like, that's such a weird turn of phrase. I've never heard it. I couldn't find anything because I thought, okay, he's taken it from some joke book or somewhere. I couldn't mm. find it. That is an insane line. It's it's mental. Um, uh, we get a, a, a 3D from the Dudleys on Mosh. He's out. Um, oh, I should also point out Thrasher was out with after a Crowd's line from Hell. D'Lo gets a massive pop from the audience. Mm-hmm. He's over his rover here, but um, Bradshaw then t- uh, elimina- uh, gets disqualified because he hits D'Lo with a chair, then takes out Bubba Ray. Devon and Farouk argue over who gets the pin D'Lo, and then it's the Devon and Farouk starting starting to fight each other to the outside to eliminate each other. Bubba goes for a pin. D'Lo kicks out. Bubba kicks out of the sky high. Uh, again, huge chant for D'Lo. Mm, huge, massive chance. 
he was still over. He still had something. Um, I think the Droz injury had happened by this point, though. Uh, I think that maybe, like, I know he's spoken about it. It messed with his confidence and mm. obviously threw him off. Yeah, I don't know. He was still over. They just never really used him in a good spot after this point. What's interesting is, like, after that, he's sort of relegated to, to weird bit parts in tag teams. Like, so mm. after this, so hear that weird run with the Godfather that even they get up to WrestleMania 2000 together. Uh, and you see he, him obviously with Lowdown with him and Chaz, where he kind of has a resurgence until they team up with Tiger Ali Singh and go full Indian. Yeah, it's very weird. I mean, Look, WrestleMania 2000, him and the Godfather, that could have been a team. They have the history from the nation as well. Mm -hmm. They were both pimps. WrestleMania 2000, (laughs) of course, we'll see them uh, with Ice-T coming to the ring for Pimpin' Ain't Easy, Um, which seems to have no lyrics other than Pimpin' Ain't, Pimpin' Pimpin Ain't, Pimpin' Ain't. Speaking of of Pimpin', there is a hot tag to the Godfather. And he is cleaning out like a house on fire. King does the train noises too, the chugga, mm-hmm. chugga, chugga, as Godfather goes to the hoe train. And a lowdown from D'Lo ends it, and the hoes are in to celebrate with a very, very happy Tim White. So uh, it, it's a it's a real raw kind of opening match vibe to this one. Yeah, not much of a match. It's under the 10 minutes in the ring. It's just gaga and bullshit. Look, at least the crowd's into it, and it seemed kind of fun, which is more than you can say for some of the other parts of this show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, next up, we have a Kurt Angle vignette where he talks about how good he is even before winning the gold medal at the Olympics. And Sean Stasiak is his first ever opponent on pay-per-view. Sean Stasiak could not be more jobber-like. Yeah. Like... What's weird <laughs> is, is that this is also Sean Stasiak's pay-per-view debut. And they drum him up a bit too, saying he's a second generation athlete. His dad was a former world champion, but he just doesn't feel like a big deal at all. Absolutely not. There's more highlights of his dad, um, whose name I kind of remember. I was going to say Larry the Axe Hedding. Stan Stan Stasiak. That's it. Um, Uh. You know what's funny? They show the footage of Stan Stasiak and it's black and white. And, you know, Mm. King makes jokes about how old the footage is. I looked it up because I was like, oh, I wonder when he was world champion. I can't really tell by the footage. It was in the mid-70s. So the equivalent of this, like this makes it feel like it's so old. This is the equivalent of a champion from the 90s returning. This is the equivalent of The Rock returning on an episode of Raw, which we've recently seen. Isn't that weird? But back here, they were so adverse from ever acknowledging anything from the past. It was all about only being in the present. Even the Hulkamania era was passe. No, we don't talk about that. That was 10 years ago. That's old. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I always wonder, was that something? Because, you know, a few years later when WWE started to embrace their past more, <clears throat> was that a bad thing? Yeah, it's, it's in a, in, a, in a way, I feel like it might have been when they really, you know, oh, we brought back Hulk Hogan. We've got Shawn Michaels back. We're really embracing the past. Maybe that alienated some modern fans who don't get that. Yeah, I, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because especially now, they they like we we see with Randy Orton how they they make him like this modern day great. Was like, oh, you know, he's done this for over twenty years. Bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. If if he was around in the Attitude Era, 
he would have been shipped off to WCW like long ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> Everyone was current and it was only about what you were doing currently. And the Attitude Era was this, you know, self-contained thing. It only existed here. We don't care about these old guys. Yeah, I don't know. That's why it was always so jarring when you saw like, it, it, it used to happen with Mankind a bit when they'd show footage of, say, from Mind Games during the Attitude Era. It did look so old. It was like Mankind was wrestling in 1992. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really, it was, it was like a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So what's interesting about this mm. Kurt Angle match too is the crowd is so not into it. They could not give two shits this boring chance. And JR says it's a different style of competition to what we're used to. Sean Stasiak, he looks good, but it is fascinating seeing where Kurt Angle starts off because he he just looks so generic. It look, but if you take it, here's the thing. Yeah, he looks generic in, in where he is in the world. But if you look at him now, I think fans would have loved this because they'd be like, oh, look at his, his technique on the takedown. Look at how yeah. smooth his wrestling is. And it was amazing. Like in the ring here for his debut big time match, he doesn't miss a beat. Everything is executed perfectly. Uh, that's all fine. But that didn't really matter back here. You had to have, you know, more of an X factor than that. But yeah. I think the part that sort of then separates him in this match is, you know, the legend goes, he was told on the fly from the referee, get on the mic and tell the crowd, don't boo an Olympic gold medalist. And yep. that was on the spot and he did it. That's the point where you say, ah, that's the something about Kurt Angle. He's not just a great wrestler. He's this deluded, you know, self-absorbed yep. idiot who thinks everyone needs to respect him because he won a gold medal. That's the part where the crowd buys into the match as well. At least sort of goes, oh, I see. Now we're this is what we're meant to, to do him. here. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Because the video um, is great. It's played straight where he's like, oh, I'm a real athlete, you, you know. He's being arrogant, but he's only telling the truth. It's only here that you're like, oh, no, he's very arrogant, and this is on purpose. You're meant to hate him. So he gets an Olympic slam to win, as in, like, he delivers the Olympic slam to win, but it doesn't have a name as of yet. The fans then start booing. Like, mm -hmm. that. that's – you're right. That, that bit where he gets on the mic and cuts that promo is the part where everyone sort of clicks and realizes this is what you want us to do with Kurt Angle. Right, yeah, we're in now. Yeah, because they probably thought, oh – this is some goody two-shoes. He's not going to get over. He's boring. We're not going to cheer him. We're not mm. going to do what you want. It's like, no, this is what they want you to do. You've taken yeah. the bait now. Um, which is good to see. Good props to the cameraman for finding the one guy in the crowd with a Kurt Angle sign too. So mm. good on him. Um, we see a bit from Sunday Night Heat from earlier this evening when Triple H and The Rock are in the ring, but DX are out to attack. They get disposed of quickly. That leads us to our next match, which is Val Venus, Mark Henry, Gangrel and Steve Blackman versus British Bulldog and the Mean Street Posse. And yeah, the, <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do who, you say about this one? Who the hell are the good guys here? I could not figure it out. I swear everyone here is a heel. Valvinus best... has turned heel recently. Blackman's a heel. Everyone's a heel. What is the point of this match? Gangrel's still embracing his gothic lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also did not realize that the Bulldog got a Euro uh, championship in his second run. I don't know who he beat for it. I don't remember yeah, him having yeah, it in the second run either. I remember he won the hardcore title. Hardcore title, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 
Yeah, there you go. Good for him, I guess. Um, JR also brings up memories of Survivor Series 97 that Bulldog might be having before going into detail about Brett getting screwed by Vince. JR also questions when the Mean Street Posse are going to get some wrestling gear, which I think is a valid point. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, te- terrible match. I got nothing to oh. say here. There was only one highlight, and that's Mark Henry throwing the British Bulldog like halfway across the ring. But aside mm-hmm. from that, Val Venus wins. Him and Mark Henry are left. Um, JR says they have something in common. No, King says they have something in common. They both love the ladies. And then JR mm-hmm. gets defensive. And he's like, oh, I think all the men in this match love the ladies. They're all heterosexuals. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not what King meant. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's... it's uh. And was this Bulldog's last WWE appearance? Oh, it could have been. Or his pay-per-view one? Maybe, what a way yeah. to go! What a way to go out. It's a sh- shame. Yeah. Uh, Michael Cole then barges into the women's locker room where Terry isn't wearing a top and all the ladies just somehow start flirting with him. <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre. Um, next up, Mae Young and the Fabulous Muller and Tori and Deborah take on Jacqueline, Luna Vachon, Terry and Ivory. And... The the best thing about this match is J.R. and King making jokes about Lawler dating Mae Young. Oh, they're having fun. This match, here's how little respect the women had. This is a four-on-four match at the Survivor Series, but it's not a Survivor Series match. It's Mm. one fall to a finish because they don't want to make anyone sit through this match. My mind just started drifting as this match was going because it's just like oh, JR and King are a riot on commentary here. Mm-hmm. That's all I, oh, it's all I could pay attention to. Um, it's, it's funny. <laughs> I, I also made a note that Tori has actually been in two WWE games. Wow. Like, oh, three, sorry, because I think she was in the SmackDown series too. Yeah, she was in one of the SmackDowns. That rings a bell. <laughs> Has there ever been, like, yeah, you talk about how, you know, incredibly shallow the women's roster was. The fact that, like, yeah, I guess we stick Tori in there just mm. to build up the numbers. Yeah, this is a, um, yeah, the crowd even doesn't care. They, they give a huge, we want puppies chance. Ivory gets pinned by Mae Young and Moore, and the match is done and dusted. It's over and... in under two minutes. The entrances went four times as long as the match. It's just, it's an awful, awful match. Uh, it's a point, good measure. Yeah. At this point, you realize it's not a real Survivor Series show. The last match was four heels against four heels. That would never happen in the olden days. You would have an established team of heels and faces. They'd have a gimmick name. You know, there'd be a reason. Yeah, this... you know, like the perfect partners and Mr. Perfect would lead them. Or like yeah, the yeah. ultimate maniacs. Yeah, where, Val's you know, porn stars they would be yeah. or something yeah. or, you know. Uh, this and then this match to not even be elimination rules like they've given up this year for Survivor Series. Yeah, they really have. Um, we get to a little backstage piece where Lillian Garcia is backstage with X Park. He's in a real shithead heel mode here. Yeah, and he refers to Kane as being impotent. Mm. And and remember, DX DX are reunited here. They were broken up for all of six months, which I feel like mm. people forget about. Everyone talks about, oh, DX broke up at WrestleMania 15. Barely. They were broken up mm. for six months. Then they had the weird heel run as main eventers. Yeah. And and they never really sort of broke up. It was just X-Park. X-Park and Road Dog were still DX. Yeah, it's true. They, yeah, it's true. They never <laughs> left. They were still fighting over it. What about yes. what I love about heel X-Park? 
is wearing the bucket hat like a fedora. Such a <laughs> yeah. douchebag. <laughs> X-Pac was great. So the X-Pac versus Kane feud's an interesting one. So X-Pac stabbed Kane in the in the back, according to Tori on Heat. Uh, the level of innuendo in these promos is just through the roof. But Kane, to his credit, gets a massive pop as he comes out. It's only his third Survivor Series appearance, and X-Pac attacks Kane as the pyroblast, but Kane gets the upper hand. It's not your traditional big man versus little man match because X-Pac's actually getting in a fair bit of offense. Yeah, he's all over him, you know, using some cheap tactics, but he's bringing the fight to, to Kane. These guys had really good chemistry. They were a great tag team, and here we see even against each other, it works well. It's not too unbelievable. I think people don't realize... X-Pac isn't as small, especially here, as he was made out to be. Like, yeah. <laughs> even says on commentary, uh, sorry, in his promo, he's like, I'm six foot one and 200 whatever pounds. Like, that's normal size for a, for a wrestler back then or even now, especially. So he's not too out of place. He kind of brings the fight. Kane's still a monster, though. You know, you have to do that. Otherwise, he's not really selling anything because he's, mm. you know, invincible. The match is going good. It's a real shame because for the first few minutes, this is easily the best match on the show. It I'd go as far as say like it it just like both as you said, both these guys seem to work really well. They probably know each other excellently after tag teaming for so long. And it's weird how the passage of time because like I could swear when I was a kid, this felt like the most ultimate betrayal because like they've been friends for years, yeah. da, 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 but it's really been like, you know, a month or two after WrestleMania. <laughs> um, Kane, Kane walks into an X factor, but Kane kicks out. He's about to get a tombstone in Xbox. So all these guys are getting their shit in. Triple H is out next and gives a, sh a belt shot with the WWE title. DX is out like a pack of rabid dogs. As Tori runs out to intervene, he, she gets a huge kick from X-Pac to knock her out mm -hmm. and the medics are out to attend to Tori. And I just thought that was actually a really, really good ending because we've seen X-Pac go from like, you know, like, oh, he's the underdog. Remember, like the most bizarre thing of this is X-Pac has only been with the company since March. He hasn't even been there for that long now. Oh, like a, a year and a half since last. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah I forgot yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah. But, but, but like, you know, his second run as X-Pac is so good. It's really good. Everything, he, 98, he was awesome when he started wrestling again. He had a really good, as you know, the mid-card baby face. You could put him in there with D'Lo and people like that. He'll have great matches. 99, it evolves into his team with Kane and all the stuff with Road Dog. And he's very good as a part of DX here when they turn heel. He's a great shithead heel in the stable mm -hmm. who can get beat up and be a douchebag, and yeah, X-Pac had a really good run. There's a reason why he was so highly regarded at the time. Going back to, you know, how quote-unquote short he was, probably doesn't help X-Pac when your best friends are Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. <laughs> yeah, and Billy Gunn and Triple H, and even the dog <laughs> is like surprisingly big. They're all bigger than him. <laughs> it's different. He's hanging out with Kane, you know. Uh, yeah. I will say one line from Jerry Lawler was pretty good in this. He said, uh, a girl saw Kane naked and she said, oh, how sweet you bought incense. I've never heard that before. It's pretty funny. <laughs> King was just a different level this yeah. time around. Uh, Michael Cole's backstage with The Rock. Before The Rock could even cut a promo, Triple H is there putting, getting his face in there. And then it's a pull apart brawl. We then get to our next 
crappy Survivor Series-esque match. Prince Albert, Midian, Viscera, and Bossman takes on the big show. Mm. Just the big show. Because the big show was meant to team up with the Blue Meaty and Kai and Tai, but took them out earlier on Heat because he doesn't want any partners in this match. Yeah. If if that if that list of um, participants in this match doesn't tell you how good this match is going to be, well, you need a lot. You need to do your research. Yeah, they had again no respect for the Survivor Series. Uh, Big Show didn't want partners, so he doesn't get them. It's a handicap match. He beats four heels in like two minutes. How? Yeah, yeah. the match uh, goes for one minute twenty. So wow. it's choke slam to Midian, choke slam to Albert. Uh, he body slams Viscera, which is very impressive, though, which is crazy. Mm. He does it like it's nothing. Then he gives him a choke slam. It's down to him and the boss man. The boss man doesn't want to fight Big Show. He just gets a count out victory. Uh, they did explain why Big Show was so angry because we oh, saw the video, the infamous uh, <laughs> Big Show funeral scene. Funeral where Big where Boss Man shows up with the Blues Brothers car with like the big speaker on top. He hooks up Big Show's dad's coffin and drives off with it. And then the Big Show jumps on the coffin and he's being driven on the back of a car while he's hanging on to a chain with a coffin on it. It's one of the stupidest things of all of the Attitude Era and that covers a lot of ground. Uh, mm. Yeah. One of those signs of like, okay, not everything works in this era. It's only with the benefit of being an adult, like, but even back then, like 15 year old Nims thought this was shit as well, but it's only with the benefit of hindsight that part of me is thinking like, just how bizarre the logistics would be. So you've, you found a cemetery to film in. Like, could you imagine if there was like, I don't know, someone's there visiting their, their, their mother's grave or something like that. And they just see in the background, I'm assuming it was a closed set, but oh, it's still so. bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> To see the big show, Captain Insano from the Waterboy is hanging mm. on to a coffin as the big boss man is driving around. Yeah. Crazy. Big uh, show was involved in some terrible stuff for these few months. Between this and the Al Snow feud, terrible. Absolutely awful here. So um, we're back at the commentary desk and JR and King sum it up. I have no idea what they've just seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Kevin Kelly's backstage with Stone Cold Steve Austin and that dastardly Triple H is back and starts attacking Austin. Austin gives chase. We see X-Pac and Road Dog leave the building. Austin's in the parking lot looking for Triple H and a car speeds up and runs him over. JR yep. and King are stunned. The bottom line is Stone Cold has been run over by an automobile. Mm, the most iconic scene in this whole pay-per-view. The only thing that's remembered. We've seen this footage. Six billion times over the years, like that, that you know, weird yellowish footage of Austin <laughs> being hit by the car and lying there. What can we say? Whatever. It's a mystery. We don't know who hit Austin. Austin's injured. He's going to be gone for a whole year. Um, mm -hmm. He won't be back till the end of 2000. He'll show up, uh, you know, once. At Backlash 2000. Yeah, for, a, yeah. for a great segment. Um but aside from that, we don't see Austin. We don't really know who hit him. They kind of leave it open-ended. Uh, DX say it wasn't them. Vince McMahon yells at them. And then they do a WCW to try and make this scene feel real. They drag it on for like 20 minutes. Similar to yeah. when uh, 
I think it was Buff Bagwell on WCW. The They've done it with yeah. a few people where, oh, everything's silent and real and we're going to make this go on for 20 minutes. Terrible. It's, it's yeah. King does a great job on on commentary solo, uh, which is good. That's the only thing I think of mm, here. Yeah. Um, but And the other, I don't know if you picked this up too, but did you see Vince yelling at Jim Dotson? No, what was he yelling him to? <laughs> it's like, how could you let this happen, oh, damn it? funny, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a nice touch. Um, it was really good. Fully indignant Vince is one of my favourite Vinces. Always good. I, I did like the touch of JR running backstage too, to tend to his mm. mate. And like you said, King was really good on his own on commentary uh, to make it feel real. And, you know, he toned down, didn't do any jokes. It, yeah, it just kills so much time. It just drags the show to an absolute halt. And then you struggle to get into the rest of the show. Especially when the next match is Chris Jericho versus China. So JR's back at the desk, and he and King solemnly talk about what happened to Austin. China's here with a ninth one of the world theme, and she's also out with Miss Kitty. And JR runs through the accomplishments of China in the past calendar year. Jericho just gets straight into it. Both Miss Kitty and China put the boots into him. And you're right. This this entire this this entire thing. Once Austin gets run over, it really sours the rest of the paper because they keep putting updates about Austin and it just takes everything away from it. We've we've given WCW shtick about this when they do this during a match and WWF have done the exact same thing yeah. and it's no way better. No, it, it ruins the show and especially because now you're wondering well, our main event's ruined. What's the main event going to be? So you would be annoyed at that. Um, in spite of that, I will say this is the best match of the night by a mile and it's not mm-hmm. even close. And it's so weird that, again, we're saying China had the best match on the show. <laughs> she really, like, mid to late 99. I know there are some people who try and retroactively say, oh, she wasn't actually that good. There's a reason why she got so popular. She wasn't just great as the muscle of DX. She broke out for reasons, you know, because of her look and the vibe. And <laughs> she was so popular. But once she started wrestling, uh, especially for this, you know, run, the match with Road Dog, the tag matches with DX that we thought were really good, the different combination there, the singles matches with Jeff Jarrett, and now this match, China had a really great run for a few months here. Her chemistry with Jericho was really good too. And in Jericho's book, he kind of shits on China quite a bit. He really does. And he, he has does, in yeah. interviews, oh, she was hard to work with. She wasn't that good. It felt unrealistic, blah, blah, blah. Ch- look, no offense to Jericho, China is as big as him. If you're just looking at it visually, um, they look the same. It's fine. Yeah, They have good chemistry here. I know he said she was kind of clunky and hard to work with. She looks like they go through the moves fine. There are no obvious like, oh, they botched they that. that. There's nothing, mm. nothing like that. Um, I thought the match was fun. This was really good, I thought. There's, there's some really like vicious sort of moves here too. Jericho hits a powerbomb on China and she kicks out. Jericho takes a pedigree. He kicks out. China does a hurricane runner. Jericho reverses it into the walls of Jericho. Mm. Um, it, it, there's even an avalanche. The match finishes where China gets a low blow to Jericho on the top rope, then gives him an avalanche pedigree for the win. And it, you're right. It's probably the best match, but the commentary kind of ruins it because Jericho's Jericho said, I think maybe on a Raw or SmackDown, that if he loses, he's going to get a sex change. So obviously, King is preoccupied with that. 
JR's preoccupied with trying to sell how hurt Austin is. The the commentary ruins it. Yeah, it's a big mess. And there's, yeah, you're right, leftover Russo rubbish with the sex change thing. I think on the episode of Raw, maybe it's after this, but um, Jericho kidnaps China and, like, breaks her thumbs with a hammer backstage. They were real messy on what Jericho's gimmick was here. Um, He did, like, good character stuff in this match, too, trying to be a heel. Like, at one point, he forces himself onto Miss Kitty, which in hindsight, is probably not. <laughs> there we go. It's problematic. <laughs> Allegedly problematic. The um, there's also another part where he pours water on China at the commentary desk and says, wash yourself off, you disgusting S word. I don't know mm. if we should say it, but that one's also mm. a bit like, that's pushing it a bit far. Yeah. But yeah, no, as a match, it's good. And you're right. The top rope pedigree from China uh, shades of CM Punk with the Pepsi plunge there. Pepsi plunge back in the day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is kind of cool. I'll be honest, I don't remember China doing that. So is that where the uh, that move came from? I don't think anyone else did a top rope pedigree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so fairly like, and it's funny reading Jericho shit all over it because if it wasn't, this is the match that made him in the eyes of the WWE fans, I reckon, as in like this feud. Because yeah. before that, he was doing nothing. Doing absolutely nothing. He was still doing that weird leftover WCW stuff. He wasn't really established. This feud, and look, I know it kind of it wasn't their plan, but it kind of turns him face. By the Royal Rumble, he is a face. He's getting mm-hmm. cheered. So whatever. He had good matches with China. He then gets involved with the Intercontinental title, which again, that's pretty quick for him to jump up to that level. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, next up, DX comes backstage where the McMahons are and plead their innocence about running Austin over. Uh, Triple H, <laughs> in smarmy heel mode, like, he just wants to know if it's going to be a one-on-one in the main event. <laughs> What's that? Uh, Triple H. Oh. Like, I, I love how, like, he's that, like, he, he, you know, he comes into, like, plead his innocence. But really, the ultimate motive is... It's just going to be a one-on-one match now because you can't have a triple triple threat match if there's no Austin. <laughs> exactly. It still benefits him. He'll take it. Even though he said he didn't do it, he'll mm. take the benefits from it. What would have been the better option, though? I was thinking that. They announced it, that it's still going to be a triple threat. We end up finding out who it is. What if they just kept it a singles match? Would the crowd have been happier? Especially since you probably wouldn't have had a Rock v Triple H match one-on-one at that point. Uh, we've had with, with their mid card ones, but not for the world title. And I reckon that'd be a, a could you imagine that'd be a much better story to sort of tell because you'd have The Rock, uh, you know, a year on at Survivor, no, yeah, a year on at Survivor Series after he won his first world title. Hmm. You could delve through their history about the nation and whatever. Like, you don't have to go, you don't have to stray too far. It's not like they've, yeah, I reckon that would have been so much better, obviously. I... And we know, and we know from 2000. That these two have incredible chemistry together. <laughs> and we know from the months before too. They've all wrestled plenty of times. Yeah, I think they could they have got away. With it. <laughs> I think they could have got away with it. Or say, you know, oh well, well, but to make it fair, DX is barred from ringside, and Shane mm. will be the ref. I don't know. Just I don't think you need a triple threat. Sometimes yeah. a triple threat makes a match less big than a singles match. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Look, especially considering the fact I remember coming home after school, like literally in this very room that I'm in right now, jumping onto the computer 
and seeing that The Rock didn't win at Survivor Series and it literally ruined, like, I was just like, nah, this is a, sh- this is crap. Mm. I, I was so indignant. But um, uh, next up, it's another, is it, is this another, no, it's not a Survivor Series match, um, but it's the Hollies and Too Cool versus Edge and Christian versus the Hardys. No, it, it, is, no, it, it is, is. It is. It is. It is yeah. yeah. Um, do they, do they, it's a tag team. That's why they, they call it a weird match. It's a tag team survivor series match with two teams of four. Mm. Not like it's... the old school first two survivor series where they did four tag teams on each side. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. two tag teams on each two side. Two tag teams. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it, it's the first time we see too much repackaged as too cool. Grandmaster <laughs> Sexy and Scotty Too Hotty. <laughs> JR, this is very fun, though. This match was pretty fun, too. This was the other highlight of the show. Yeah. JR just keeps asking, How do you pronounce sexy and how do you spell it? <laughs> And then King, though, has the best reply because uh, JR's like, oh, how do you spell it? Is it S-E-X-Y? Is it S-E-X-I? Is it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And King says, I don't know, JR. I don't know how to spell names. I only care about where people play football. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very funny. When they both, like, you know, and, and the funny thing, too, is anytime you bring that up, JR gets so defensive, he like does, you've yeah. just, like you've just defended his pro- like oh, for, for, for <laughs> um. So Edge and Christian are still doing their mysteriously vaguely gothic shtick. Mm. Um, Terry is, is still with the Hardy Boys. Uh, Edge and Scotty starts it off. Um, it, it's a it's actually still so weird that Edge and Christian are portrayed as like the biggest stars out of everyone here at the moment. So it's a it's an inoffensive it's an inoffensive match. But it's crazy to see where these guys, all four of these teams would go on in 2000, how big they would all be, even the Hollies. Yeah, yeah. They're all, you know, they're all building, like we said, the the parts are there for WWE's tag division. It all really has its peak through 2000 and 2001. Um, All of these teams would be super over at different points or to different degrees for different reasons. But man, the wrestling here is smooth and everyone's good. Grandmaster Sexay and... uh, Scotty Too Hotty are really, really good in the ring. They just needed a gimmick, and they finally got one here. If anything, they've got more of a gimmick than Edge and Christian here, who are sort of in their, yeah, like you said, vaguely gothic, but they're not like the Bill and Ted ENC we'd get soon. These are just a weird few months for them till we get to WrestleMania. There's a very cool uh, sequence where Matt Hardy tosses Crash Holly to the outside, then gets a crossbody off the top from Matt, who then gets sunset flipped by Grandmaster Sexy, who then gets a splash by Christian off the top rope, and then gets cannonballed by Scotty Too Hotty. So all four teams, and yes, including Hardcore Holly, are just on fire at the moment. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun match. A lot of action, hard to call it all. They do a lot of moves. There's some quick eliminations. It doesn't go too short. It's one of the longer matches on the show. Mm. It's about 15 minutes or something. The only issue I had was the ending because it comes like down the Holly to, winning? to Christian. <laughs> yeah. And then the Hollies win, but it's just weird for the bad guys to just win flat and for it to be hardcore Holly winning. I thought it was pretty interesting. There's a couple of things that made that made me sort of go, hmm, that's uh that's interesting. Like Scotty Too Hotty does the worm, zero mm. reaction. We know yeah. that eventually it becomes as big as the people's elbow. <laughs> yeah. Um Jeff Hardy does a swanton that doesn't quite get the biggest response in the world. It's just like, oh, a, oh yeah, 
It's well, he cool. also does a 450 here, which I thought yeah. always thought was weird because a 450 is like you're mm. rotating more than a swanton. I think you have to stop doing it because it takes away from a swanton. Yeah. And I think he also, when he started doing like properly doing the swanton, you'd have the bit where he'd like, you know, take the shirt off, do yeah. the pose, and then do the swanton. So it's add a, a bit thing. of salt and pepper to it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and also the unprettier, which is now the kill switch, obviously, um, it doesn't have a name. Yeah, no name, just the move that he would do. Mm. Um, as I mentioned, I, I put in my notes, Hardcore Holly is having, like 1990 year is the biggest year of Hardcore Holly's career. <laughs> yeah, he got really, really, I don't want to say lucky, but he changed his look, came up with, I wouldn't say a gimmick, he sort of just toned it down. He's like, I'm just a some tough, you know, very unfun person. And that works with yeah. him. And then, Crash really brings out more of the contrast too. What's actually funny, and I didn't actually realize this until uh, someone pointed out to me. Someone pointed out online, like to this day, you still you still feel like the uh, the influence of Hardcore Holly because Cody Rhodes does the Alabama Slam. <laughs> yeah, the legend of Hardcore Holly lives on. <laughs> Did he invent that move? I never remember anyone else doing it. It was his move. If someone you know, else they did were it, a tag team, so Cody yeah. did it, you know, for him. <laughs> if someone didn't, if someone did it beforehand, I don't. It's kind of like how you know, I guess like people probably would have done Uranagi suplexes before, but The Rock's the one that sort of made it like the rock bottom. The rock bottom. Well, to be honest, as crazy as it sounds, because we're older and we remember at least one very famous person doing it, but the mm. RKO. That's an RKO. Randy yep. Orton did it. Yeah. No one, no one did it before. Him. No one did it. Yeah. <laughs> or even DDP, really. Like no one gives a shit that Johnny Ace used to do. Johnny it Ace, did, yeah. The diamond. Yeah, the cutter. fact that the fact that it's actually called the Ace Cutter, and <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. Um. Next up, uh, Shane McMahon gives an update on Stone Cold's condition. Says there still will be a triple threat match this evening, as that leads us to the New Age Outlaws versus Mankind and Al Snow. Even though they're, they're heels, the Outlaws are still doing their usual, oh, you didn't know, sort of shtick. King actually alludes that it could have been Billy Gunn driving the car that hit Stone Cold because, I don't know if you remember from Raws and whatnot back in the day, blonde the driver being blonde was one of the clues. Mm, that's right. Could it have been Billy Gunn? He's jealous that he never became a main eventer. Yeah. Maybe it was Billy Gunn. There is a huge Foley chant by the crowd before the match starts, and he sends his best wishes to Stone Cold. Mal's, uh, Mankind, the best part is, JR has a line where he says that Mankind gave Al Snow head on SmackDown last Thursday, mm -hmm. to which King goes, what? Yeah. JR then clarifies it by saying, Mankind presented Al Snow with a mannequin head last week on SmackDown. Yeah. Love it. That that's like the one note joke for Al Snow. That's all you mm. could do. Um, this match, even though it went long and was a real match, to me, this was one of the worst things on the show. I couldn't yep. get into it. Uh Mick Foley had a rough second half of 99, honestly. It's mm. not good. Like, and I know he talks about it too. He was kind of struggling with injuries and he feels bad with the Val Venus feud. He couldn't give it his all and put him over and like get him over. This stuff with, honestly, the rock and sock stuff, even though it's good on TV, on pay-per-view, 
nothing Foley did in the second half of 99 is good on pay-per-view. Even winning the title at SummerSlam 99, remember, felt like this weird thing because of all the weird reasons why he had to win that night. Had to win it. Nothing. Yeah. And Jesse Ventura, yeah. like even it was more emphasis on Jesse than there was on him as well. So, uh, and and even even his first world title win, it gets overshadowed by the Tony Schiavone that'll put butts in seats sort of thing. So, yeah, Mick, Mick really has a bit of uh, a, a tough run here. Interesting. Did you? Uh, so I'm clearly, I'm guessing there was a bit of controversy when Walmart banned Al Snow's action figure. Yeah, I remember reading about this because parents thought it was a decapitated human head. Right. Of course. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Walmart. Come on. <laughs> I, I, all I said, all I could think of too is Billy Gunn, hot tag specialist. Yeah. Just, look, no one does it better. <laughs> that might be the only exciting part of this match. Uh, there is not much going on here. Mick Foley is kind of struggling a bit. Al Snow isn't over, I don't think, with the crowd much. No, 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 absolutely not. Which is funny. If you ever watch the wrestlers on Netflix, they do make him out to be like one of the pioneers of the Attitude Era. <laughs> it just goes to show you can make anyone look good with a video package. Oh, if you've got your own documentary, you can you know spin it <laughs> however you want. Um, it, it really feels too like, you know, the rock and sock got over, but obviously they need the rock in the, the main events. They kind of like plugged in Al Snow and they're like, oh, these guys uh, have some fun chemistry. You know, they're always bickering and bantering. We're like, no one cares. Yeah. In 2000, though, Al Snow does, does have a semi-decent run with, with Steve Blackman as head cheese. Is it a semi-decent run or is it just a well, few fun segments on it's a few, TV? It's a, it's a few fun segments on TV yeah. and it's better than anything else he's done. That's all I can say. Mm. And and also to his credit, I did like when he was Euro champ and he came out each week dressed as a different country. Mm. Yeah, some all really... It, all it was, and, and had different theme music because all it was was just what does everybody want in a different language? That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you're right. If that doesn't say, look, mid card opener, just enjoy Sunday night heat. I'll yeah, just enjoy it. Um, next up, we're back at the desk. Oh, I should point out a spike pile driver by the Outlaws on Mankind gets the win. They retain their titles. <laughs> yeah, Mankind and Al Snow don't win the tag title. <laughs> um, back at the desk with King and Jr. They recap Boston's condition after he's hit by a car. We don't know who the special guest referee is because Vince is still at the hospital with Austin. Um, they still don't know who's going to be in the triple threat match, which is a shame because the Rock's music hits to a massive ovation. Mm -hmm. um, hell of a 12 months for the Rock. That's all I can say. Yeah. Triple H is out next with My Time as one of the most underrated tunes that he's like, it's still one of the greatest themes, I reckon. Yeah, it's good. Obviously, Time to Play the Game has taken all of the, the shine and the spotlight because it is iconic and legendary but my time mm. is uh just as good um triple h also without china so they've completely mm. sort of they've, they've part ways here um howard finkel announces the third participant in the match and it's the big show hey he gets kind of a very mild yeah. like hey. so both the rock and triple h start to double team him it is the big show's first wwf pay-per-view main event and um there's a huge rocky chant from the crowd you can clearly tell who they want to win this match mm -hmm. rock and triple they, what, what is kind of cool is we see the rock and triple h team up a bit because obviously the story is that hey we're on our own we can't beat the big show however 
we've really got to give this a crack kind of thing, like yeah. for the greater good. And we didn't want him in the match, so let's try and, you know, get him out. Big Show does look impressive here. I will give him that. Yeah, I guess so. Um, he does. He could, look, he could definitely do stuff. It's not that he was bad. It's just didn't feel this like his character wanted, yeah. should be here. Yeah, exactly. Um, we make our way to the entrance what, because that's just what happens in 1999 pay-per-views. Big Show military presses Triple H onto the barricade. The Rock brawls with Triple H, puts him through a table. <laughs> I do and... want to talk about how he puts him through the table, though. It's one of the funniest bumps ever. It's not a slam or a powerbomb or a suplex or a rock bottom. He's Triple H is standing like with his back to the table. The rock punches him and Triple H like bounces and bumps <laughs> through the table. It's very funny. I've never seen someone take a punch through a table. Triple H, when he wants to oversell, he oversells not not too ridiculously, but at the same time, it's just like, come on, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Putting a lot on it. Mm. Um, there's another one. The Rock also does his trademark. Let's spit some water into someone's face on Big Show, but that doesn't really do much. Um, Rock and Triple H also suplex Big Show through the Spanish announce table before heading to the stands to fight in the crowd. Now, this one I wanted to ask you. Did anyone mention, is this a no DQ match or is Earl Hebner just being really liberal with the count? Oh, no, it's a triple threat. There are no disqualifications. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, there you go. I thought yeah. that later on when Earl Hebner gets taken out, I thought, why'd they do a ref bump? There are no DQs anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the ref bump by the rock leads to a rock bottom, but there's no ref. Shane McMahon runs in to do the count, but it's just a two. Another rock bottom, and the pin is interrupted by the big show. Triple H pedigree Shane as the rock and show battle on the outside. DX to a run-in to save Triple H, but Vince is here wearing the same thing he wore in WrestleMania 2000 on <laughs> Nintendo 64. <laughs> he gets a belt shot on Triple H, and show gets a choke slam in the pin to win the WWF title. And as JR says, it is showtime. And if I can do my math correctly, Big Show's the fourth man to win the WWF and WCW title at this point. Ooh, Flair, you might be right. Flair, Hogan, Nash, Show. Oh, no, Savage, fifth. Oh, of course, Savage. Yeah, Savage would be, yeah, before uh, before Kevin Nash. Mm. There you go, yeah. So mm. it's quite a list of names. It is. It's very impressive. It's like, yeah, not to take that accomplishment away from him. Uh, yeah, JR trying to make showtime a thing. It's showtime. It's showtime. No, it's not. Yeah, it's a no thanks, JR. But uh, <laughs> the Rock has the Rock has some words with Vince before we fade to black, and that's that wraps up WWF Survivor Series 1999. Remembered for two reasons: the Big Show winning his first WWF title, and of course Austin getting run over. Mm. I was dreading watching the show because this. And SummerSlam 99 stick out to me as two of my least, least favorite shows as a kid. SummerSlam 99 turned it around for me. I remember it was more fun than I expected. Not a bad show. This one, though, a bloody, you know, 12-year-old Simon was right. This show sucks. Well, honestly, <laughs> one of the worst WWE games of all time. I'll watch anything from the 80s or 90s over this. Moving forward, most of the shows into the 2000s surely are better than this well it's actually funny and i think the wwf sort of know that because have you noticed whenever they do like a survivor series recap package or you know go through the history they often show like lots of other survivor series i don't think this has ever been 
Survivor Series 99, I don't think has ever been referenced ever again in WWE canon. The only thing you see is Austin getting hit by the car, but they don't even mention it happened at Survivor Series. Survivor Series. They're yeah. like, oh, Austin got hit by a car at some point. Like, yeah. Yeah. Garbage so, show. So even they kind of go, All right, let's forget this. Let's put it to bed. But, but if you thought that was bad, the next WWE paper we're doing, Armageddon 1999. I'm going to keep my hopes up. There's got to be something on this show that's better. I actually don't think I've seen Armageddon 99 in its entirety. Vince versus honest. Triple H? That's got to be at least some weird freak show main event. That could be okay. This is true. This is true. I think I just constantly remember that stupid boss man versus oh. um, big show title match. That and the fact that The Undertaker was on the poster, but not to be seen <laughs> anywhere. It's what's amazing the turnaround because I'm guessing you know they have to again get the Russo stink out and rejig the storylines. The turnaround from late '99 to literally the first show of 2000 is so huge. Royal Rumble 2000 is such a great pay per view and just changes everything. Like I'm sure people at the time are like, oh, WWE starting to dip in quality. WCW's fell off. Maybe the wrestling boom is over. But no, WWE's like, hold on. We're just getting everything sorted again. And 2000 is literally better in every measurable way as a yep. whole year. The wrestling, the characters, the stories, the business gets even better. Some it's Just 2000 is a great year. Yeah, it's, it is absolutely sensational. So unfortunately for us, we've got one more WCW pay-per-view to cover as well. So next up, it is Starcade 1999 here on the next edition of Reliving the War. Go through the archives. Go through 1999 with us as we as we wrap it up with two more episodes before we head into the 2000s. At least, yeah, you're right. The 2000s I'm looking forward to because even outside the big five pay-per-views of WWF, they're all still pretty good shows. Oh, very good. And, and it's going to be a weird contrast because now the gap is even wider. WCW is even worse in 2000 and WWE is even better. So yeah. it's going to be a, a tough one. It's a big chasm, but join us for Starcade 1999 on the next edition of Reliving the War. Catch up on all of our archives at greywolfentertainment.net and follow us on socials at greywolfent on all the socials, and we'll catch you next time. This has been another presentation from the Greywolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.